I did not expect this video to have the impact on me that it did. I'm not really a crier. I'm a hunter and a fisherman, weightlifter, football player, outdoorsman, bushcrafter, survival teacher, blah, blah, blah. You know, the strangest things run through our minds sometimes. I was watching this video. Can I just be honest with you today? Can I just share my heart for a minute? I was watching this video, and for some reason I was taken back to when I used to play football. I I quit in junior high school because I knew I was called to ministry. And I was already getting a lot of pressure to do things with it because I was pretty good at football. I was a fullback, running back. And I remember how I used to train when, I mean, I was just full bore obsessed with it. I, I wanted to be the man on that field. Everybody else did wind sprints. Whenever they were all done, I'd do extra ones. Everybody else did six inches and they were done, I'd do more. Everybody else did sit-ups, I, they were done, I'd do more. I ran, I just was so committed to being the best I could be at football and building myself up and, and being strong and doing all the stuff. And I was just so committed to my little football. Even in junior high school, I was just sold out to being the best I could be. And I'm watching this video. I'm watching this man that we... I'm going to tell you something, man. You've got to be careful. Or you'll hear something so many times, you just get jaded to it. You hear the story of Jesus. You see videos. You go to churches on Easter. You watch the dramatizations of the crucifixion. And if we're not careful, it just becomes something we're so familiar with, it loses its impact. I watched this video, and I'm going to cut to the chase. And I had to sit there in that, on that stool back there and ask myself, Roland, have you ever in your life been as committed to anything as Jesus was to dying and saving your soul? Have you ever been so devoted, so consecrated, so sold out, so all in? Have you ever done anything in your life to that extent? I don't think I have. I'd like to say yes, but I don't think any commitment I've ever imagined compares with what Jesus Christ did on that cross. And I want to tell all of us something. And this morning, I'm, I'm abandoning my little outline notes for a few minutes. If I get to them, fine. If I don't, fine. But I want to tell you something for all of us, me too. That is not a Hollywood creation that George Lucas made up in his mind about Jedis and Sith Lords. That happened. That's real world historical fact. Not too many months ago, they just discovered a Roman citizen. Has nothing to do with the Bible. He's just a Roman citizen 
totally separate from Jesus' entourage. And in his journal, they recently discovered his journal, his diary as it were. And in his journal, he records seeing a man named Jesus from Nazareth who came to town with a group of his followers. And he watched from the, from the side of the street while Jesus walked over and healed a little boy and raised him up and sent him on his way. It's the first time in recorded history that they have found a record of an eyewitness other than one of the biblical con- contributors. This guy has nothing to do with Jesus' followers, disciples, nothing, just, a, just a Roman citizen. Yet he records witnessing Jesus perform a miracle. This is not fable. This is not fantasy. These aren't stories people made up. All this is real. Jesus did live. He did die. He did pay the price for us. On the back wall, if you want to turn around and look at it in the corner, there's two words back there painted on the wall. All in. We started an all in thrust, an emphasis, an incentive, a a passionate dedication to all in early this year. We prayed about it for a long time. But I'm going to tell you what. When I look at that video and I think about the reality it represents, I wonder if anybody in the whole world has ever been all in for anything the way Jesus Christ went all in for you and me. You know what I'm saying to you? You know, we see the videos about Jesus' crucifixion, his beating, and all these things. And in church, you know, we we come to church and we preach about a lot of different stuff, and a lot of it's good. And I'm not apologizing for talking about faith or, or family issues or anything like that. We preach on those things. But today I want to bring us back to the central focal point of what all this is really about. It's all about a man named Jesus. I don't want you to ever forget that. This is not about a religion. Religion is man's search for God. That's not what God's about. This is not about some church movement. This is not about some pastor, some preacher. This is not about trying to create some empire. It's not about anything like that. This is all about a relationship between you and Jesus Christ. That is what this is about. There's never been a preacher, an evangelist, a missionary, anybody in the world who worked in church or served in the ministry. There's never been any of us that can, I don't think, even comprehend the level of commitment and all-in that you just witnessed on that little screen up there. I want to share some thoughts with you about this man today. And the first one is this. His living was as important as his dying. We always see the crucifixion. We always hear about the resurrection. But I want to tell you something. If Jesus had sinned one time, none of it would have meant anything. In the Bible, he had to be the spotless lamb of God. He had to be the lamb without blemish. Now, the Bible says he was tested in every way, tempted in every way, just like we are, yet was without sin. That's amazing. That's mind-blowing. 
Here's the thing. Jesus knew his living was as important as his dying because he knew he had to be the spotless lamb. And everything Jesus did, he did it with you in mind. Everything. When he was tempted with sin, he didn't just say no because he was above all that. He could have sinned like any of us. Don't think his flesh wasn't tempted. It was. Don't think Satan didn't come and tempt him. He did. And when Jesus said no, it wasn't just to please his heavenly father. It was also through the telescope of his understanding. He could look down through time and see your face and mine. And he knew I have to be the spotless lamb because one day, John, Mary, Sue, Joe, one day they are going to call on God. And there has to be a bridge across the great divide. And that bridge has to be me. And he said no to sin, not just to please his father, but because he loved you. I don't think any of us even comprehend the love that God has for us, the love that Jesus had for us. He is madly in love with you. What would compel you to go through that? And whatever you saw on the screen was just a Hollywood representation of what Jesus actually went through. I'm sure in real life it was much, much worse and it would be far too R-rated or NC-17 or whatever else that's showing a public gathering. It was gory, it was bloody, it was graphic. They basically just tortured the man to death. He did that because he's that much in love with you. Think about that. Now I know we could all be sitting in churches today hearing some preacher tell us how to get rich. Hearing some preacher tell us how God's already in our future making a way for us to gain wealth and be promoted because we're champions and God loves us. Ain't that good? We could all be seeing somebody smile and hearing people clap and talking about all the good things God got out there in front of us. Let me tell you something. There's never going to be anything in your life better than the bloody cross of Jesus Christ. There's never going to be anything in your life more rich than the forgiveness and the grace of God. There's never going to be anything in your life that makes you a champion like the crown of thorns Jesus wore for you and for me and for all who will come to him. It doesn't get any better better than the cross. It doesn't get any better than the blood of Jesus. It doesn't get any more powerful than the ability to say, God, forgive me. And instead of going to hell, now you're on your way to heaven. That, my friends, is as good as it gets. When we take communion, if you've ever taken communion, we have two elements that we do in communion. One's a little piece of bread or wafer or cracker, however they do it. And the other is a little cup of grape juice. One represents the body of Christ. One represents the blood of Christ. All my life I've heard preachers get up and take communion, and they always say, and we, we sanctify this element, which is the body of Christ. And Lord, we remember how you suffered. We remember how you were broken and beaten and bloody for us, you know, and we take the element. But I want to tell you something. I always include something else. I always say, Lord, not only do we remember the suffering and the sacrifice and the pain you went through, we also thank you for the 33 and a half years of absolute perfected commitment you had to your Father's will and to our salvation to live a sinless life so that your death would mean more than the thieves on the either side of you. If Jesus had been a sinner, his, I know this sounds crazy, but if Jesus had sinned, his death would have meant no more than the thieves on either side of him. He had to be the spotless lamb of God.
He was tempted in every way like we are, yet was without sin. It had to be that way. And Jesus knew it. So not only did he surrender his life in death, he surrendered his life every single day in the way he lived it. Second thing about Jesus I want to share with you is this. His commitment to his mission was greater than what he knew it would cost. His commitment to his mission was greater than what he knew it would cost. We see these movies, Saving Private Ryan and Braveheart, The Last Samurai, these great heroic movies, Gladiator. And we watch the heroes and the men who play the parts, and they're willing to die for their cause in in the movies they do, and some in real life did. But they were just men. Flawed, sinful, most of them wicked. Maybe they repented. Some of them were good men, but they were just humans. They were just men like you and me. But I want to tell you, Jesus Christ was not a man just like you and me. He was 100% man. He was also 100% God. He could have done whatever he wanted. The Bible says when he hung on the cross, he could have called down 12 legions to destroy the world. In the Old Testament, one angel killed 185,000 men in one night. That's recorded in the Old Testament. One angel. And we don't even know that he was trying that hard. He might have done that on his coffee break. That might have been Barney Fife angel. We don't know. How much could 12 legions of angels accomplish if they really decided? You ever thought about that? Instead of calling, how would you like it? Hanging on a cross, humiliated, tortured, half to death, and you knew, you knew you could just obliterate everybody in front of you. Those mocking little people and the soldiers beating you and they're saying, you're the son of God, come down off the cross. And you are the son of God and you could come down off the cross. Think about the restraint that it took. Not to just say, you know what? I've had enough of your mouth. You hit me one time too many. You know what? I'm sick of you too. I'm done with all this. Angels come. He could have done that. He chose not to. Maybe that, to me, might have been the greatest victory of all. The restraint Jesus showed. Not to demonstrate his power. Sometimes we venture into things not knowing the cost. And sometimes there's a high price to pay, but we didn't know that when we started. It's different when you go into something knowing what it's going to cost you and knowing that it's going to cost you the way it cost Jesus. And you decide, that's okay. I'm going to do it anyway. Michael Murphy was a Navy SEAL, Operation Red Wings in Afghanistan. You want to read about it in detail, you can buy the book Lone Survivor by Marcus Luttrell. Made a movie about it. The seals were ambushed, long story short, by 150 or so Taliban soldiers and other Afghani volunteers. There were only a handful of seals. They were out vastly outnumbered. They tried to take cover in the rocks, keep moving, run. One by one, the Taliban began to pick them off. Michael Murphy knew that they needed to call in an evacuation. He knew that the only way he could get a signal was to get out of the rocks and go out into an open place to talk on the radio. 
He also knew that if he did that, he was going to make himself a target. He gave his extra ammo to his friend, took his radio, ran out in the open, made the call, and immediately started taking fire. Bullets hit him in the chest, in the abdomen, in the shoulder, in the neck. He even took the time at the end of the radio transmission to say thank you to the operator to whom he was speaking. Then he drew his firearm and shot at the enemy until he died in that spot. It's different when you know it's going to cost you everything. Let me tell you, Jesus knew, and it wasn't going to be a quick death with a few gunshots and he's out of here. It was going to take almost a whole day or a whole, a whole afternoon for him to die hours for Jesus to be tortured and die. He knew that, and he did it anyway. His commitment to his mission was greater than what he knew it would cost. You know what his mission was? Do you really know what Jesus' mission was? It was you. That's what his mission was. He wasn't trying to build some business or start a church movement necessarily. He originated the church, but he wasn't out to build a following for himself. You know, Jesus never could keep a crowd around him. Did you know that? Every time he got a crowd, he'd say something a little too hard, they'd all leave. His mission was you. All that you saw on that screen... He went through knowing before he even came here that's what it would look like, that's what it would be like, that's what it would feel like. And he looked down through time and he saw your face and he smiled at you and said, I love you enough to pay that price for you. You talk about all in, friends. That is all in. I wonder if any of us in our whole lives have ever been that kind of dedicated to anything. Next thing I want to talk about is that washing Judah's feet was a type and shadow of his love for us all. I don't have to ask you to raise your hands and ask how many of you have been insulted by somebody or slandered or gossiped about or hurt or offended or wounded. We all know everybody in here has been treated that way. That's part of life. Mean people are just out there. Misunderstandings just happen. Conflict is part of our existence. That's not even the issue at hand. The real issue is, how are we going to respond to that? The only place that Jesus washing the disciples' feet is recorded is in the Gospel of John. And he took a towel and wrapped it around his waist, and he gathered a basin of water and set it down. And Jesus knew before he started which one of the disciples was going to betray him. And he goes around and he starts washing their feet. Can you imagine what it would feel like to be a fly on the wall 2,000 years ago, knowing what was going to happen, and look down and see Jesus kneel down in front of Judas Iscariot and untie his sandals and take his feet in his hands and begin to wash his feet, knowing this man is going to sell me out and betray me for 30 measly pieces of silver. 
I am washing the feet of the man who is going to be singularly, solely responsible for putting me through everything you saw in that video. I'm going to wash his feet knowing he's going to do, do that to me. This man is going to give them the key to arrest me and put me through hell on earth. You know what I'm going to do to him? I'm going to wash his feet. That is just about as hardcore amazing as it gets to wash the feet of Judas Iscariot. Think about that. Think about you going back to the person in your life who's done you the most harm, looking in their eyes, kneeling down, slipping off their shoes and socks, and washing their feet. Knowing it's not going to change anything. Knowing they're going to do what they did anyway. But you're determined to show grace and mercy and love so profoundly. You kneel down. You swallow your pride. And you wash their feet anyway. That's hardcore. That's just hardcore. The love within us must outshine the darkness around us. The love within us must outshine the darkness around us. That's what happened with Jesus. The love in him outshone Judas' darkness. And last, all this that we do, our lives, our existence on earth, the church, everything we are, it's not about your family. As wonderful as that is, it's not about our friends. It's not about retiring with financial security of some degree. It's not about health. It's not about any of those things. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. That's what it is. It's all about Jesus. David, I want you to come play softly on the guitar. Jesus went all in for us. My question to all of us today is, are we willing to go all in for Jesus? There was a movie some time ago, and it was about a cellist. This guy played the cello. I think the part might have been played by, I can't remember the name of the actor, but he played a homeless guy, and the guy just played the cello all the time. I don't remember the name of the movie. But in one part of the movie, the, the, the cellist that played on the street, played in the subways of, of the city he lived in, and he just played all the time. He just loved his instrument. He just played all the time. And at one point, one of the actors looks at his friend and says, I don't know that I've ever loved anything as much as he loves that cello. I don't know that I've ever been as dedicated to anything as he is to his music. I want to tell you something. None of us have ever known love the way Jesus loves you. None of us has, has ever been committed to anything in our lives to the level and the extent that Jesus is committed to you. I'm just going to be honest and bear my soul with you today. And We watched this video and it just impacted me. It really impacted me. and It, it made me go back and ask myself, Roland, have you, have you ever been as committed to the ministry? Have you ever been as committed to your prayer life? Have you ever been as dedicated to your study of the Word? And have you, have, you, have you just heard the title of the book or have you lived it out? And that's Oswald Chambers' book entitled, My Utmost for His Highest. Can you say after watching that video, you have done your utmost for His highest?
Many, many years ago, before most of our time, there was a man named Billy Graham. He's in his 90s now. He used to have a man, two men, that, that went around and sang with him. And one was named Cliff Barrows, and the other one was named George Beverly Shea. And they used to sing with Billy Graham. And one of the songs that I remember them singing a lot was, I wonder, have I done my best? For Jesus. It's an old hymn. You're not going to find that on any modern day Christian television stations. I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus? You know, this happened 2,000 years ago. This video, 2,000 years ago. This is not, for most people, it's not relatable to them. For most people, this is like ancient history. It's like going to class and talking about somebody that lived a long time ago, and that's about all the impact it has. And we're caught up in our lives, you know. We've got to go to work. We've got to pay bills. We've got our plans. We're going to go to the lake or the beach, and we've we got to move this. We've got to do that. We've got to, we've got to or- orchestrate this. We've got to start this new thing. We're just caught up in our little lives, and all our little stuff is just so important. And we've got to get all this stuff going because we're caught up in our lives. John Jackson's a police officer. I, I rebuke this from happening. But the next time John Jackson goes to work, he could pull a car over for an expired tag. He could walk up to the the window of that car. I want you to watch the speed at which I do this. I got pretty quick reflexes. Pow! John's gone. His brains are out of the back of his head. John is gone. He's dead. Here's my question to all of us, and I'm not trying to be shocking or graphic. I'm just being honest. That kind of stuff happens to police officers. And I want to say this while I'm on it, not to make a political point, but look, man, if you don't support the cops, you're just on the wrong side of everything. You need to support the police officers. Having said that, it's okay. Having said that, after that shot is fired, what happens next? It doesn't matter what you believe happens next. It doesn't matter what Scott believes happens next. It doesn't matter what my wife, Pastor Donna, thinks happens next. It doesn't matter what Nick thinks happens next. It doesn't matter what I think happens next. The Bible tells us what happens next. John, his spirit, is going to leave his body, and he is going to stand before God to be judged. Every one of us. That's what's going to happen. I'm not going to get into all the description. I know some of you heard this. You never want to hear it again. I understand. But I'm going to tell you this because it happened to me. I'm not going to go through all of it. Just be patient with me. Saturday afternoon at 325, September 11th, 1976. I was driving down the road in a pickup truck trying to help my daddy build our church sanctuary. I never made it back from my house to the church. Somebody came across the yellow line, head-on collision me. I woke up beside the road to hear my schoolmates yelling and hollering, Look, it's rolling. He's dead. He's dead. Uh, To this day, it's 1976, it's been 41 years. I still can't remember the crash. I still can't remember my truck flipping over 150 yards down the highway. I don't remember anything about it. All I know is one minute I was driving, the next minute I woke up by the road. It could just just have easily been the next minute I woke up in front of God. A lot of people die, and that's what happens. They, they, they don't even remember the moment. Everybody has this idea that when my moment of death comes, I'll, I'll repent real quick. I'll have a time to make it right with God. You have no such guarantee. 
I didn't. I had, I don't know how many hundred stitches all over my body, broke up from head to toe. Uh, they transfused 10 pints of blood just to save my life. That's all you got. I've had a complete oil change. I'm going to tell you something. There are no guarantees in this life. My friend J.R. Gould went to bed one night. He's going to get up the next morning and go turkey hunting. He was 60 years old in the spring, in the month of May, just a few years ago. His friend woke up, the alarm clock around 4, 4.30 in the morning, getting up, get ready to go turkey hunt, and said, Brother J.R., you better get up, getting ready to go. He went in the bathroom, got his shower, did his little morning routine, came out, and J.R. was still in the same spot in the bed. The man went over and said, J.R., you need to what? And when he touched him, he was cold. J.R. had gone to bed, and in the same position in the bed that he was sleeping in, he died in his sleep and was taken out in the, in the glory into eternity. The, the question is, did J.R. Gould really know Jesus or not? Now, all of us want to believe, sure, J.R. was a man of God, and he was a pastor and a missionary, built over 200 churches in Africa. Surely, if anybody went to heaven, J.R. went to heaven. Hey, you know what? I believe that too. But that's not the point. The point is, that was J.R. The other point is, what about you? I want to tell you, I want you to hear this. This is very important. I'm going to close. Believing in God will never get any of us into heaven. This book of James we're studying on Wednesday nights. Chapters two, chapter 2 says the demons in hell believe in God and tremble with fear. Believing in God is not what it's about. Shaking some preacher's hand is not going to save you. Joining a church, being a good fill-in-the-blank, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Assembly of God, Pentecostal Holiness, whatever it is, on a membership card for 40 years is not going to mean one thing. He God doesn't care about that at all. None, not zero. God doesn't care if you're a member of this church all your life. Faithful time. He doesn't care about that. All God cares about is do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you all in? And beyond that, what are you doing in this world to carry out the Great Commission? Now, as we close, let me just ask you this. Have you ever wondered what you could do? What you could become? What you could make happen with God's help? If you really tried with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, I watched that video this morning, and i got to tell you, it made me question everything I've ever done in my life. It made me ask myself, Roland, have you ever been that committed to anything you've ever done in your life? I just can't say for sure that I have. I want to be able to say it, but it made me question myself. And it made me go back and wonder if things might have been different if I had been more committed, if I had been more all in, if I had really decided, man, you know what? No holes barred, nothing held back, my utmost. When they lay my gray head down in the grave, I'm not going to leave anything out on the field. I'm going to put it all out there. When I die, I want to know. I want God to know that I have done my utmost for his highest. That's the call. of the thrust of our church right now, all in. All in for Jesus. All in for his will for your life. All in to just be the best you, God, can possibly make you. To live this Christian life to its utmost. I just want to challenge you today.
I just want to challenge all of us today to ask ourselves, am I really, am I really willing to go all in for Jesus Christ? Because I can promise you this, he went all in for you. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Don't let your mind wander. We're only going to be here a couple more minutes. I want to ask you a question, and it's the most important question you'll ever answer. And I want you to think about the truth of your life as I ask you this question. Not the way you would hope your life is going to be or you know it should be. I'm not talking about woulda, shoulda, coulda. I'm talking about what is the reality of your life right now. And I don't care if you're the youngest person in this room or the eldest. I want you to listen to me with rapt attention. I want to ask you one question. And the question is, are you really living a Christian life? Or are you just kind of flirting around the edges of church and coming when you want and you sort of committed and you know you need to do better and all that stuff I've heard from so many people so many times? I'm not asking you to repeat the same old, same old. I'm asking you to stop. Get off the train of your life. Look at who you really are, honestly, today. And ask yourself, what is my life about? What is my life about? Where am I going with my life? Am I just living to make money? Am I just living to try to stay healthy and alive a little while longer? Is my life all about my family? Is that all there is to this thing? Or isn't there more? Isn't there more? Maybe... Maybe there's an eternal aspect of this thing that I've just got to come to grips with. And I know people have hurt you, and I know people have disappointed you, and I know, I know all these things. Jesus Christ was willing to sacrifice everything. Give everything up. Live a perfect, spotless, clean, absolutely holy life. Not because he had to, not because he was God, he was also man. He did it by choice, and he did it because he was that much in love with you. Because he knew that without his obedience, without his holiness, the death he died on the cross would mean nothing. He had to be the spotless Lamb of God, and he had to be that for you and for me. In just a minute, I'm going to count to three. I don't want you thinking about anything else but this. Is Jesus Christ really the Lord of my life? Or is the truth about me that there's sin in my life? And I'm not all in in my walk with God. There are things in my life that I find myself repeatedly repenting for, constantly struggling with, sin issues that cyclically over and over repeat themselves in my life things that go on in my mind, things that go on in my conduct, my conversation, my relationships, my business that I know are not pleasing to God. And yet I find myself doing them over and over again. Oh God, I'm not all in. I'm not, I'm not living my utmost for your highest. I'm not. I'm just not. I look at this video of what Jesus went through and I know for a fact that I'm not that committed to Christ. I'm not as committed to Jesus as Jesus was committed to me. You know there's sin in your life. You know it's there. If that's you, when I count to three, I'm going to ask you to be as honest with yourself as you've ever been. Doesn't matter who came with you, who's going to see you. We're way past that. None of that matters at all. This is full bore, hardcore, you and God right now. Nobody else matters. 
And I'm going to tell you this, not trying to scare you. It's just the truth. Your eternity is hanging in the balances right now. And God's giving you the chance of a lifetime to make the decision of a lifetime. If you call yourself a Christian, but you know you're not living it, if you're not a Christian and you know you need to be, if there's sin in your life, compromise has crept in, maybe you're just lukewarm. All these things look the same to God. When I count to three, if you're in this room and you know, you know that there's stuff in your life that's displeasing to God, when I count to three, I'm going to ask you to lift your eyes and look at me with all the sincerity and the honesty and the courage that you have in you. I want you to be honest. I want you to examine your heart. I want you to be real with God and real with me. I'm not going to embarrass you today. I just want you to be sincere and authentic and genuine and real. So right now, I'm going to count to three. If there's sin in your life, you're not living all in for Jesus. Lift your eyes and look at me. One, two, three. Lift them up right now. I see yours and yours and yours and yours and yours. Eyes are going up all over. I see yours and yours. Yours, I see eyes going up. Yours and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours. Eyes all over the place. I want everybody in the house, everybody, to just stand to your feet. 